Hey, you guys. Happy Thursday. We're finishing out this series tonight. It's going to be great. Who is Jesus? Hopefully you know by the end of the series. Hopefully you maybe have already figured it out. But we're going to learn more about Jesus. We're going to dive into the word tonight. I'm going to get right to it. I have a question for you. How do you know your relationship with Jesus is genuine? And I mean, if you're a Christian, you probably like want to know, right? If it is, if it's real, if it's legit, like you probably want to be certain of the genuineness of your faith. Like you want to know if your sins are forgiven. You want to know if you're going to heaven when you die. You want to know those things. But some of us have questioned that, if we're honest. Like we've, we've questioned whether or not our faith is genuine if we have a real relationship with Jesus. So how do you know? Open your Bibles to John chapter 15. John 15. So at this point, just kind of filling you in, at this point in John's gospel, the 11 disciples have actually just left the upper room. And the, the betrayal, the arrest of Jesus are probably like 24 hours away or less. That's coming quickly. But Jesus still has a lot of things to say to his disciples. So we know all of his words are important, but how much more his final words to his disciples? Look with me at verse 1. He says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. If you were a Jew in this time, if you were one of Jesus' disciples, or if you just, say, overheard him telling uh, them this, that he's the true vine, you would probably think of the prophets in your Old Testament, in your Bible. You would think about what they've said about Israel. You would think about how basically every time there's a prophecy about Israel and this imagery or this kind of language of, you know, Israel being the vine is used, it's in a negative connotation. It's in a negative sense. Israel is fruitless. Like they're not actually bearing the type of fruit. They're not being the type of people that God wants for them to be. They're never like talked about as being a, like a good vine, a fruit-bearing vine. They yield bad grapes, not good grapes. And so Jesus saying, I'm the true vine is a statement. Like it's a serious statement. It's him saying, God is working through me. My life is fruitful. There's something in my life that is pleasing to God. There's fruit that's pleasing to God. And my father is the vine dresser. Every time, this isn't the only time you probably know that Jesus talks about God being his father. That's also a crazy claim that he's making, saying that God and him are one. That he is the son of God is also to say that he is God. Another translation might uh, translate vine dresser as gardener or farmer. Jesus is saying, my father, he's like, he's like this gardener. Maybe it doesn't sound all that crazy to you that, you know, Jesus is talking about being the true vine, but it would, it would kind of make you get a little bit confused about what he's really saying about himself. Because he's saying, if you want to be connected to God, you need to be connected to me. There's no longer kind of a need to be connected to an ethnic people group. You need to be connected to me. Through faith in me is the way to God. And maybe this kind of even makes it, you know, sound like what we learned about last week with the statement, like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's John 14, 6. 
And he goes on to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so what we're going to see is that Jesus is going to tell us what he does and what the Father does. He's going to use this word picture. I'm going to get a running start. I'll read verse 1 again. It says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So we're given this picture of the activity of both Jesus and the Father in these verses. And in verse 2, Jesus is telling us that God the Father is, is doing this work where he's going to remove every branch that's in him that doesn't bear fruit, and he's going to prune the fruit-bearing branches. Why does he do this? He tells us. He tells us he prunes those of us who are in Christ and bearing fruit so that we bear more fruit so that we would bear more fruit. The Father's like this skilled gardener working to even bring our lives to be even more fruitful for Jesus, for his name. And I don't know about you, but pruning, or kind of this word that maybe is also translated in your Bible, like cutting, that doesn't sound very nice. Like, I, I mean, I don't want to be cut. I don't want to be pruned like a plant or like a bush. But that's what Jesus is saying is part of being truly connected to him. It's what's part of following him. This process of pruning so that we bear more fruit. And hopefully no one has ever told you following Jesus is, is easy, but if they have, I want to tell you that's a lie. Like, following Jesus is not a walk in the park. It involves pruning. It involves being cut and trimmed, and made to look more like him over the course of time. So, okay, we, we, my wife and I, we've lived at this same house for a couple years now, and, and we have this rose bush outside our front door that I just don't care about at all. You guys, like, it just, it just grows. I think it's probably taller than me. It's, like, up by our window, like, slapping around on the window. And I go so long between like the times that I cut it and prune it and trim it, whatever, like I don't actually know what I'm doing, but I go so long between the times that I prune it that it gets that tall and even our like doorbell camera, it thinks there's a person at the door, but it's just this rose bush just flopping in the wind. I get freaked out, think someone's at the door, it's just the rose bush. The father plays a far more active role in your life, pruning you helping you bear fruit, helping you look like Jesus so that you're identified not as someone who isn't with Jesus, but as someone who is in him. So that you're identified as one of his children. He prunes us at the right time, in the right way, and maybe it doesn't feel good in the moment, but he's doing his pruning work carefully and skillfully. 
And it's the Father's work that enables us to stay connected to Jesus. Like it's only through abiding in the vine that we continue to bear fruit. Did you, did you catch this here? Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like there's, there's no way apart from him that you can do anything of eternal value, anything of spiritual significance, nothing unless you abide, unless you remain in him. So I want you to see that the, the Father and the Son are actively working together in this, that Jesus is this life-giving vine. He's the true vine, and the Father is working to help you bear fruit. I want to draw your attention to verse 3. It says, Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And so I said earlier, the context, right, is Jesus is kind of probably walking with his 11 disciples now. They've left the upper room 11 disciples, not 12. You probably know at one point there was one more. Judas has, has already left. He's gone out and he eventually will come and deliver Jesus or like bring this army of people that's going to arrest Jesus and ultimately bring him to his crucifixion. And so if you're walking with Jesus as one of these 11 disciples hearing him talk about this, how you can be basically connected to him and yet not bear any fruit. Like he's talking about the fact that you can be close to him. You can actually be around him. You can be under his teaching. You can kind of even appear like one of his disciples, but not be connected in a life-giving way. Not be connected in the same way that a genuine believer is. So sure, Jesus, or sorry, Judas was around Jesus, right? He was, he was close to Jesus, but eventually... As time went on, his life showed nothing was genuine about him and about his faith. His connection to Jesus didn't result in any genuine fruit, any genuine transformation. But none of the disciples knew this for such a long time. Like for three years of, of doing life with him, they had no clue. When Jesus said in the upper room, one of you is going to betray me, they all looked around going, who, who is it? No one had a clue. Because it's almost indistinguishable. It's deceiving, almost. But there is a difference, right, between going to church, between just reading your Bible, doing Christian things, and then actually abiding, actually being connected to Jesus in such a way that your, your life is changed, your life bears fruit. Because look at our text again. Both the fruitless people, the fruitless branch, and the fruitful branch are in Jesus. They're, they're in Jesus. To make this kind of word picture work, Jesus puts it this way, that there's branches in me that don't bear fruit. But I want to be clear. This is not Jesus saying that some people lose their salvation. This is not Jesus saying that there's going to be genuine believers that actually are removed by the Father and then others that he just prunes and helps bear more fruit. No, this is Jesus saying, there's people that actually go out from me that appeared to have been with me. They were never, they were never of me. Time's going to tell whether or not someone is actually in Jesus, in a relationship with Jesus that's genuine. Fruit only comes through abiding in Jesus. Okay, so let's talk about abiding for a minute. Because I think sometimes we can, we can kind of reduce 
abiding to just like spiritual disciplines, probably even just the kind of like spiritual disciplines of Bible reading and prayer. And while those things actually stir our affections for Jesus, while those things are good things, while those things actually might be times that you are abiding in Jesus when you're doing them, you can't just reduce abiding to Bible reading and prayer. Because abiding is resting in the reality that God has provided for you. It's, it's resting in this just truth that Jesus has done something for you that you could never do. It's, it's saying, I need life from outside of me. I need something that's actually not in me. I need something that's in Jesus. You need his words. You need his joy. We're going to see that as we go on. But to abide in Jesus or to remain in Jesus would also need to mean that if you were going to abide perfectly, you'd never leave the source that you're tapped into. You would never leave him. Like, think about a branch, right? Just comes out of a tree. It doesn't, like, in the course of its life, just, like, go fall off the tree, connect itself to another tree, and then go back to the other tree. It stays. It remains. This, a branch on a tree bears fruit, blossoms, flowers, whatever, because it stays in that exact tree it came from. And so to abide in Jesus first, you need to remember that you're just a branch. Like his life comes into yours. You're on the receiving end of this abiding relationship. A branch only flowers because it gets the life it needs from the vine. Abiding's one of our values as a church. You might have seen it out in the hallway. There's those uh, canvases. This is what it says on the canvas. It says, we believe a fruitful life is directly connected to our closeness to God. Therefore, we place a high value on encouraging our people to practice personal spiritual rhythms in their life. In other words, we don't want you to be a dead branch. Like, we want you to bear fruit. We want you to abide. We want to help you do that. We want to be for you doing that. Because dead branches... What does verse 6 say? If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's, again, the verse where it, it seems really clear that Jesus is saying, these are not people who were once true believers. No, these are people who never were genuine. So we want you to abide. I want to to show you in this passage even what abiding is going to produce. And so, in other words, like spiritual discipline, spiritual rhythms, they're, they're a part of your abiding. They help you abide, but abiding is what you kind of do all the time. Resting in Jesus isn't something you just do in the morning or in the night. Do you abide in Jesus when it's Friday night? Do you abide in Jesus when you're around no other believers? It's hard to, I mean, make the case that abiding in Jesus can be, you know, stripped of not reading your Bible and praying, but it's certainly more than that. Thanksgiving breaks next week already, right? It's a time when spiritual rhythms, 
kind of unravel for some of us when we can tend to fall into maybe patterns of sin that we once kind of struggled with. And so, yeah, maybe you need to actually get a time, a place, and a plan for when you're back home or wherever you're going for how you're going to practice Bible reading and prayer, but, but abiding, right? It's more than just your time for quiet time with Jesus that you're going to take a picture and put on Instagram or whatever. Abiding is more. Like you can put these things under the umbrella of abiding, but there's, there's more that needs to be under this umbrella. There's more that needs to be a part of your, your diet to help you abide. One pastor says that abiding from person to person, when you really get kind of into the nitty-gritty, it looks different from person to person. He says, you need to, you need to figure out the kinds of things that help you stir your affections for Jesus. Like, what are the other things beyond your spiritual disciplines that help you stir your affections for Jesus? So what I want to ask you is, how can you, especially in this next week, practice or like discern what, what those things are? Like, maybe you need to, to think about and just give yourself some space before you drive home or before you leave campus what are the things that actually stir my affections for Jesus? How can, I, how can I do those things regularly with intention and with just honestly, like maybe they need to go in my calendar so that I actually abide in Jesus at all times of the day? And so if, you, if you've never just sat down to kind of like think about what your soul needs, how it needs to be stirred up for Jesus, I'm saying you should try that. But don't, don't like add 10 things to like what you need to do to abide in this next week, right? Because abiding isn't about busying yourself or giving yourself like all of these things to feel overwhelmed by. It's about, it's about resting. It's about being in Jesus in such a way that you receive from him his life and his peace and his joy. Abiding, we're going to see, leads to fruit. It leads to fruit. Abiding is what is commanded here though. I want you to see that fruit is not what's commanded. Abiding is being commanded. Right? Jesus is saying, abide in me. But how, how should we think about fruit? Maybe when, when you kind of are asked that question, your mind goes to Galatians 5 where Paul gives us the fruit of the Spirit. And that's, I think that's helpful. People have oftentimes talked about this when we're talking about abiding and, and the fruit that comes from abiding. This is what Galatians 5 says, this is the fruit of the Spirit. It'll be on the screen. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is, this is one of the marks, like this fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits. This fruit of the Spirit that Paul lists out for us is one of the genuine marks of being a true Christian. It's one of the things that grows by way of just us being connected to Jesus. But I, I want to show us that I think Jesus has even more in mind, not just the fruit of the Spirit perhaps in mind, when he's talking about the fruit of abiding in him. We're going to jump down to verse 16 
in our passage, John 15, 16, it says this. This is Jesus talking still. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Jesus is saying, like, your fruit should abide. It's almost like he's saying, there's going to be disciples you make that are going to abide in me too. Like, your fruit, in a sense, he might also be referring to character and things of, like, the fruit of the Spirit, but if you're truly following me, maybe your faith's going to multiply. Maybe, maybe your, the fruit in your life is also going to actually be a multiplication, an increase of disciples that your disciples would abide. They'd rest in me. And I, I think, especially given what he says there, we kind of need like air quotes around like us making disciples because Jesus says, you didn't choose me to the disciples, I chose you, which is true of us too. He chose us. The only decisive person in making a disciple is God. In other words, he's the one who brings us to know him. He's the one who starts the good work in us. Did you hear that? Like, he wants you, though, to go and, and actually have your fruit abide, like fruit of people coming to know him. The gospels come to you, and it's not supposed to stay with you. The gospels come to you that it would actually bear more fruit, that it would increase. And God has sent his spirit into your heart, not only to, to actually produce the fruit of the spirit, but also to empower you to share who he is in the gospel. So it's fruit of both character and multiplication. You could put it this way, a genuine relationship with Jesus leads to increasing fruit. A genuine relationship with Jesus leads to increasing fruit. Now the amount of fruit, hear me, the amount of fruit and the, the kind of rate at which it is increasing is not what is the mark of genuineness. Like fruit simply existing in your life, that's the mark of genuineness. It's not about how much or how fast. If you think about the parable of the sower, like people just, they kind of bear different amounts of fruit. And it, that's how it goes. God's over that. He's in control of that. Okay. Stay with me. Look at verse 7. We're going to fly through the rest of our verses down through verse 11, one at a time. Verse 7. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It will be done for you. If Jesus' words are remaining in you, if you're, if you're abiding in such a way that his words stay in you, the kinds of things you'll ask for in prayer, the kinds of things that, that you will actually wish for, they're going to be the things that correspond with that align with God's character. You, you won't actually want things that are contrary to God's heart. And I, I want to stop here for a second because this is, Crazy! What God is saying and what Jesus is telling us is possible is that we can ask things of him. If we abide, we can ask whatever it is we wish and it will be done for you. That's crazy. 
The king of the universe is saying, you can talk to me, you can ask me, you can pray to me. It's almost too good to be true, right? But he wants this kind of relationship with you. He wants this type of closeness with you where his words are abiding in you and you are responding to him through prayer. Okay, look at verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. By, by abiding, the Father is glorified, that you would bear much fruit and prove. That's, that's where this is all coming from again. He's reiterating that this proves that you're my disciples, that you're genuine. It's like, a, it's like the, the way that we see our genuine faith actually just made visible. It's fruit. God is glorified in our fruit bearing. Or to put it another way, a life that glorifies God is a fruitful life. And a fruitful life proves you're a disciple of Jesus, right? Proves it. Now this is, this is important. Look at verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, if I, okay, if I asked you, like, what comes first, 9 or 10, I don't think you'd have a problem with that. You know 9 comes before 10. But I think sometimes all of us think that God's love for us depends on our commandment keeping or on our obedience, but that's not what he says. Look at it again. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Then comes verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Like the gospel is, God loves you in your sin. He dies for you in Jesus Christ. He loves you and he's calling you now to obedience. It's not obey so that you're loved. It's you are loved, now obey. This is big. Don't put verse 10 before verse 9. But Jesus is going to finish out our passage in verse 11, giving us the reason for why he's saying all of this, why abiding matters, why resting in him matters so much. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You guys, Jesus wants to share his joy with us. He wants to share it with us. He wants to actually allow us into experiencing what has existed forever between him and the Father. He's inviting us into being so close to him. And I don't want you to think that I'm talking about happiness. We're talking about joy. We're talking about joy, which is so different from happiness or some kind of feeling that just rises and falls on your circumstances, on what happened just earlier today or what someone said to you. Joy is independent of all of that. True joy 
is independent of everything because it comes from someone who is sure and steadfast and always the same. Like I've yet to meet a person who abides in Jesus who has no joy at all. And I've also never met an abiding person who outgrew their need for Jesus. Never met an abiding person who outgrew their need for Jesus. Because abiding people are so close to the Savior that they, they actually are aware of the fact that abiding is a struggle sometimes. That like they don't perfectly abide, they don't perfectly obey, they don't always seem to be bearing fruit. At least fruit that they think is good enough for God, but Jesus is saying something to us tonight through this passage. It's that you and me, too, like the disciples, already are clean because of the word he's spoken to us. Because you've believed in Jesus and his word to you, because you've believed that he is the true vine, that he's the one that you need to be connected to in order to be right with God, in order to have life You're clean already. You don't work to get it. You are already clean. Therefore, you obey. Therefore, God prunes. Therefore, God comes and just conforms you even more to the image of Jesus. No one has ever lived a perfectly fruitful life except for one man, Jesus himself. And Salt Company, he is the true vine. He's inviting you tonight, whether it's for the first time or for the thousandth time, to belong to him, to remain in him, to be so close to him that you receive his life. And then, therefore, that your life looks like his. That you bear fruit like his. A life where his joy just remains in you no matter what. It fills you. It brings forth fruit because you're just so close to him, because you love him, because you see him on the cross dying in your place. You see him being raised to life, victorious over sin, over Satan, over death. If there's anything that you've just gotten out of this series of who is Jesus in the I am statements. I hope it's that just honestly, Jesus is the, the man that you need to be connected to. He's the God man. He's the, he's the one who did something for you that you could not do for yourself. He makes you right with God. He loves you. He's given his life for you. The question is, will you receive it? Like, will you, will you receive it? And will you receive it in such a way that you remain there, that you abide in him, that you never, ever go anywhere else for your source of life and your source of truth? That's who I want us to be, Salt Company. I want us to be a people who abides. And so let me pray and ask Jesus, to help us do that. To, as we go from this place tonight, as we go into break, to 
learn even more what it looks like to abide. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you're the true vine, that there's not some way that we must create, that we must kind of work or make for ourselves to God. You're the one who came and perfectly lived, died in our place, rose from the dead, Thank you that you want us to be close to you, that you've made it possible for us, whether we've sinned against you or whether we've just felt like we don't have enough faith, you've made it possible for us to come to you in weakness. Thank you that your life flows down into us, that we can experience joy, this, this joy that you've had forever with the Father, this joy that we need because this, this world honestly is full of plenty of things that rob us of happiness, that rob us of any sort of lasting Happiness, your joy is better than that. And so God, I pray for all of us that you teach us, you teach us to abide, that you would give us a desire to, to want you, to want to be close to you, to remain in you. Pray in your name, amen.